welcome back welcome back it's been a couple weeks it's been a couple weeks i had a feeling this would happen because i just moved i moved two weeks ago exactly <clears throat> and it's been madness absolute 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 madness um as it always is when you move, but you know, it's just been crazy. Um, I'm, I bought a toaster <laughs> because I have more counter space now, but I bought a cheap toaster. So every time I used it, it smelled so strongly of burning plastic. So I had to get rid of it. And now I'm using, now I'm using my oven again, like I did before to, to toast toast. And this oven in this new house this oven and the stove are electric and they suck um and every time it adjusts the temperature it clicks so it's clicking away over there probably burning my oh oh it's pre the oven's preheated hold on i need to go freaking check my toast one second okay my toast and butter is ready so i'm going to make this short and sweet before I, no 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 molly no molly no that's not your toast. It's never been. Ever in your entire life have I given you toast. Get away. Go. Go eat your food in your bowl. Sorry, everyone. This is... probably should cut this out, but guess what? I'm not going to. I'm just not going to. <clears throat> All right, let me give you a very, very quick, 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 quick uh, overview of what this episode is going to be, and then I will eat my toast while you're listening. <laughs> to the conversations that I've already had. So this episode is dedicated to PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome and the anti-diet approach. However, if you do not have PCOS or don't even know what it is, this episode is still for you because I am guessing you will be able to apply some of the information and also the sentiment in general um, to potentially your own health problems that you've been told you have to diet and lose weight for. Um, so what I've done with this episode is I actually have talked to two different wonderful dietitians who specialize in PCOS and the anti-diet approach. And I am going to be sharing both of their conversations one after another. And the reason for this is just because I wanted to talk to both of them. Um, I know that hearing the more people you hear saying similar things, the better. Um, though, of course, both conversations are different. Um, they, I think they'll both be supportive to approaching health from an anti-diet perspective. Um, one of the people I talked to has PCOS herself, one does not, um, but they both specialize in it and have a lot of experience working with clients, um, I guess patients, I guess it's not clients, right? It's patients, working with patients. I don't know. Yeah, it's patients. Um, and yeah, I think you're really going to enjoy them. Even if you don't have PCOS, they are, it's very inspiring to hear uh, people go from a very, very weight centric and diet centric approach to health 
both in their own personal lives and in their professional lives and to switch over to an anti-diet or a non-diet approach. So I'm going to be sharing those one after another. What you will notice (laughs) is I talk about myself a lot because I have PCOS and I just couldn't help myself. Um, I will update more. So right now I'm literally about to eat my toast, publish this episode, and then drive to the shore where my mother is, um, both my parents are there with my grandmother who is on hospice and I have not seen her, um, or is it in hospice? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but essentially it is, you know, I need to go see her. She, they brought her home three weeks ago and I was moving. And so I kept asking my mom, like, do I need to drop everything and, and come down? Like, how much time do I have? And so I was sort of on call, but she has gotten a little bit better, but it's still, you know, it's still very near the end. So I'm going down today. Um, and yeah, I don't know why I'm sharing that, but that's sort of why I'm, this is so haphazard. Not that my podcast isn't always haphazard, but I'm sort of trying to get out the door but on my list of things to do has been work on that freaking PCOS episode, Caroline. Like, get it out. Get it out there. So that is what I'm doing, guys. That is what I'm doing. And without further ado, here is my first conversation with Kirsten Malott. We're going to talk today about PCOS. Your, your handle on Instagram is PCOS.positivity, right? Correct. Yep, that's me. And one of the biggest questions I get from people who have either read the book, my book, The Fuck It Diet, or who have not read the book and don't know if it actually applies to them is, what do I do if I have PCOS and or insulin resistance? I, you know, I'm not allowed to eat what I want. I'm not allowed to eat intuitively. I have to follow a diet. I have to be super careful, which I resonate with so much. That was my own, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge, huge part of my own dieting and disordered eating. It was this belief of like, okay, well maybe they can eat that way, or maybe they can even, maybe they can gain weight and it can be okay for them, but not for me. You know, I have this problem and I have to be obsessed. Um, So I understand so well. Um, and it's, you know, I found it really helpful, not only for myself, but especially for other people who are super new to the idea of intuitive eating and, or the fuck it diet, which is really the same thing, just a slightly different way of explaining it, um, to hear all the scientific reasons why it actually is a good idea (laughs) to be an intuitive eater. So, um, I want to ask you first what your own personal journey and experience with PCOS and dieting was? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's interesting what you said about how PCOS can play into disordered eating because those with PCOS are four to six times more likely to experience disordered eating Mm. because we're often told to cut out the carbs, take out gluten, take out dairy, whatever it is. And that was totally my experience. Um, So I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 14. Same. And, oh my God, horrible. Oh. Like so young. Yeah, it's awful. But 
that's when I started having irregular periods and noticing the acne and the facial hair and body hair and stuff. And Mm -hmm. so I was diagnosed and that just kind of sent me on a cycle of diets. I, Mm -hmm. you know, tried every single diet out in the book and ultimately it was when I got to college, I was like, Oh, I'm going to take a nutrition class so I can be quote unquote healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I started this nutrition class and we talked about eating disorders and I realized, you know, I think I have binge eating disorder. Um, and so I went and they had some resources on campus. I talked to the dietitian there and that's where I was introduced to intuitive eating into this concept of why dieting and weight cycling is so bad for your health, especially with PCOS. Um, That's so great that you had someone with like literacy around that because not everybody who, you know, is diagnosed with binge eating disorder actually gets that kind of care that they actually need, like the actual understanding of how restriction leads to binge eating. So that's awesome that that was, that came to you relatively quickly. It did. I was very blessed in that way. And, um, I was so inspired by, by that dietitian that, that actually sent me on my own journey of becoming a dietitian. So, um, it kind of came full circle, but it's been pretty neat. So your entire career as a dietitian has been an intuitive eating dietitian and has had that perspective, right? Yes. Yep. So my entire undergrad and education and everything, I was very much focused on PCOS and pairing that with intuitive eating and kind of this anti-diet mentality. Did you struggle with that at all? Like with the fat phobia and kind of weight centric focus of, you know, what a lot of people experience when they're going through school for nutrition or were you, did you have kind of an experience that, that was different from that? Uh, I had a little bit of both. So mm-hmm. I definitely, I mean, anytime you're in a medical education setting, honestly, it's, there's fat phobia. Right. Um, and I definitely saw that, but I think I was able to see it through a weight neutral lens and kind of reframe it as information was coming at me. And that was really helpful. Um, And I also had professors that all had different perspectives and insights on it. So I got a good kind of rounded education, I'd say. So when you started your own kind of intuitive eating healing journey, were you finding out information about insulin resistance and PCOS right then? Or did it take a while for you to like, to see how those two kind of work together in a, in a, in a helpful way? Yeah, it was pretty neat because I was kind of doing both of them at the same time. So I was on my own journey and in my own education at the same time. So I was able to learn about it kind of from the logical, rational side of, oh, this is why intuitive eating helps, or this is why not dieting can be beneficial for insulin resistance and inflammation Mm. and all those things Mm. while Mm. living it myself. That's, that's really awesome. That's really, really awesome. Okay. So let's dive into, let's dive into it. Let's, let's talk about what some of the big unhelpful and or destructive, like unhelpful is kind of a euphemism, destructive myths about PCOS and dieting and weight. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) 
I would say, you know, some of the biggest myths out there are that you have to be anything, really. Any rigid rule out there about PCOS is false. Right. Um, the biggest ones I hear is you have to go gluten-free or dairy-free. Right. That's not true, nor is it backed by science. Mm-hmm. You look at the research, there's a couple showing very limited studies on low-fat dairy, increasing androgens, but full-fat dairy is beneficial. So is eating foods you enjoy. So mm-hmm. cutting out gluten, unless you're celiacs, unless you have a specific intolerance or allergy, there's no one-size-fits-all, everyone should cut out this food. That's all a myth. Right. Um, there's so many. The yeah. other one, <laughs> the, the idea of having to cut out carbs, this is another big one. So mm-hmm. the keto diet has become really popular, going low carb um, to deal with insulin resistance. The reason this is not helpful is because with PCOS in particular, we tend to have higher levels of insulin Mm -hmm. and that causes your body to build up kind of its own immunity to insulin, which is what helps us to break down carbohydrates and turn it into energy. So if you're just cutting out carbs completely, you're taking away the energy from your body, from your brain, and it's not sustainable long-term. You're not actually helping your body. You're just kind of putting a bandaid answer on top of it. Exactly. Exactly. It's not doing anything for a, the root quote unquote problem, or like the way that your body works together as a whole. Right. Totally. So the things that actually help the most is going to be eating frequently, eating Mm -hmm. when your body is telling you you're hungry, Mm -hmm. um, eating a variety of foods that have those different nutritional components in it. Um, and not stressing about food. Stress plays a big role in our body. So if we're constantly stressing over food, feeling guilty for every little thing we eat, that does more harm for your health than almost anything else. Yeah. That was like the, that was the big thing for me and PCOS and insulin resistance. When I learned how much yo-yo dieting and weight cycling causes and, or exacerbates insulin resistance. And I was like, what the fuck (laughs) I have been, this was like after 10 years, 10 plus years of dieting, like hardcore dieting, trying to quote unquote, heal myself or whatever. Um, constant weight cycling. Cause of course I couldn't keep it up. And I was like, are you kidding me? That like the literacy is so low that my doctor didn't like the, you know, not, doesn't understand the big picture. If you tell a teenager to keep their weight down for the rest of their life and, and, you know, eat, they told me to eat low fat and to exercise and to keep my weight down for the rest of my life at 14 to not understand. I mean, and we, we know this, right. We know that this is widespread, you know, misunderstanding about how health and weight work together and food, but to not know this like basic thing that, that, that will cause, you know, potentially lifelong dieting and weight cycling, which is only worse for the actual condition that you're prescribing dieting for. Like, it just blew my mind. I was like, what is happening? Why are we all so confused about this? You know? (laughs) Yeah. But it makes so much sense. If you think about it, every time you go on a diet, 
you're starving your body. It's going yeah. to go into survival mode. It's yeah. going to slow down your metabolism, shut off your reproductive functions. Yes. It's going to do what it can <laughs> to conserve energy and survive. It's trying to help you. So too often we view our bodies as an enemy when in reality, they're just doing their best to, you know, get us through life. I know. And, and then for me, after the 10 years of PCOS slash extreme dieting, I was like, huh, am I not getting my period because of PCOS or am I not getting my period because I have been constantly trying to eat the smallest amount that I can failing, binging all the time and then going back. But I really, I was like, I, I honestly, at this point, it's so muddied that I don't even know. And that I, and that I learned that what I was doing was probably exacerbating the problem in the first place. So that was a mind fuck, but, um, all right, back to, back to all these myths, right? So what have we said already? Carbs. We do need carbs. You need carbs. You don't need to cut out gluten and dairy unless you have a specific medical reason. Um, I mean, don't mean and how about weight like there's a lot of focus on oh if you lost weight you would improve all your symptoms slash I believe that I could cure myself if I became extremely skinny that was like my own twisted little belief that I had yeah well unfortunately weight is a symptom of PCOS mm-hmm. it's not the cause right and so trying to tell someone oh well you just need to lose weight and you'll fix your PCOS is the equivalent of telling someone with sleep apnea, oh, you just need to sleep and your sleep apnea will be cured. Like it right. doesn't work. Right, exactly, exactly. Like, so it sets people up for failure and frustration and a bad relationship with food. Yes, 100%. And um, like we've mentioned a couple times, the weight cycling does more harm on your body than just being at a whatever weight your body feels like it needs to be at. Right, um, So I always like to focus more on the behaviors of, okay, how can we support your body and help it to feel its best? And then take that focus off of the weight and say, you know what, however your body reacts is what it needs. And so trust your body to do that. It's not something we have complete control over and trying to control a number on the scale is just going to cause undue stress in your life. Right. So, so let's get into that. What are some of the biggest, you know, obviously there are lots of things that go into taking care of yourself and taking care of PCOS, but what are some big things that you have found are helpful for people with PCOS who maybe have no idea where to start, who haven't really been intuitive eating or intuitive eating for very long. And they're kind of new to the whole concept. Well, the biggest thing is under eating is the biggest issue I see. Mm. Um, so working just to reestablish those kind of hunger cues in your body by eating enough food is the best place you can start. And I know that's scary. It's scary to start eating food again because it's been something we've restricted for so long. Um, but making sure you're eating three meals a day, having a couple snacks, that regularity that routine um is going to be the best thing to help your body feel safe and say okay you know we have food this is a regular thing we're not starving 
Um, and that's going to help your hormones start to balance right away. Yes. That is so huge. That like feeling of safety. And that's the thing that I try and explain, like, and just imagine like, like we think that, that our, that dieting and eating less is healthy. Right. But if you, we can like kind of reframe it and be like, no, 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 just imagine your body, you were in a famine, right? Just imagine what would your body do? It would feel unsafe. It would fixate on food. It would do all these things with our hormones you know, it would raise our, our stress hormones, like that feeling of safety and that feeling of safety really is, is going to lead to stress reduction, which is going to lead to being able to take care of yourself better, which is also going to lead to your body responding positively. Just like you said, like that feeling of safety is so important and feeding yourself is a way like amply feeding yourself and making your body trust that you are going to continue to feed it for the rest of your life, not just for a week as an experiment. That is so important. It's such an important piece. Totally. Um, yeah, I 100% agree with everything you said, because that's the main goal here is to help your body get to a place where it can function regularly and have that routine kind of cycle with your hormones and your period and all the things that go on in our bodies. So yeah, safety is key. Um, that's kind of your foundation. Once you can establish that, then we can start working on some of the more nuanced issues, whether it is insulin resistance or inflammation or gut health um, mm-hmm. and kind of building, working through that in your body. So for something like insulin resistance, it can be as simple as making sure, you know, when you're eating carbohydrates, that it has some type of fat or protein or fiber to go along with it. Mm-hmm. So it's sometimes hard to balance nutrition with this concept of eating whatever you want when you want. Um, But I always focus on adding food, never taking away. So if you want a piece of bread, great. You can have that piece of bread and maybe we add some peanut butter on it or Mm -hmm. have it with some avocado or whatever it is so that it just adds those extra elements to help your body process the food properly. Yeah. That's great. I think that that's a really helpful reframe. So, and then the other thing, it's kind of similar, but with inflammation or gut health, it's about adding foods in. So adding in anti-inflammatory foods, fish, nuts, oils, Mm -hmm. fruits and vegetables. Um, Same with like your gut health, finding ways to add in pre and probiotic foods. So it's going to look a little different for every single person, depending on what issues they're struggling with and what they need. But the biggest thing is you don't have to restrict. You can always add things in that are going to support and help you connect with your body. And is there, is there a way that you can kind of assess whether someone's root cause is insulin resistance or inflammation, or do you find that it's often a combination of of everything? It's regularly going to be a combination of different things, but symptoms, your symptoms can tell us a lot. And then there are going to be different blood tests that you can have done if that's accessible to you. Right, uh, right. To really narrow down exactly what's going on. So it is really helpful if you can, if it's accessible to work with someone like Kirsten, who knows what the hell they're, <laughs> they're talking about and isn't going to tell you to just eat a low fat diet and keep your weight down for the rest of your life. Um, 
Any other big pieces um, that you find really helpful for people with PCOS? You know, I think the biggest thing is just gaining those little snippets of knowledge so you can make empowered choices. So it's not just I'm following this meal plan or making these choices around food because someone told me to or because mm-hmm. the internet said I should. But it's saying I understand how my body's working and I'm choosing these things because I know it's ha- going to help me feel my best. And yeah. it's just a it's a subtle difference, but it makes a big impact when you're looking at sustainable long term yeah, I was just going to say that it's more sustained, it's significantly more sustainable. It's more, you feel, have more autonomy, right? You're not like, oh man, I have to like live this rigid, you know, difficult, stressful, you know, stress hormone fueled life for the rest of my life. Um, it like allows for relaxation and joy and personal choice and flexibility, right? Yep. So that's not to say you have to go out and learn everything there is to know about PCOS. Frankly, there's a ton, but understanding some basics and just, you know, learning to work with your body and view it as your teammate and your friend working through this together versus being an enemy and just trying to like fight against it all the time. Um, right. It's going to be very helpful. So, so what's your view of uh, is sleep something that you, tell people to focus on with PCOS? Oh yeah, it's totally, it's something that I use as one of our indicators of Mm. improvement. So I don't use weight to track progress because like we've talked about, it's not helpful. It's very subjective. We have different genes and things that are going to play into our weight. Um, So finding ways to track your progress outside of that can be a little tricky, but sleep is one of them. So, so you actually mean like improved sleep is a sign of improved PCOS. Yes. Yeah. And that's the, well, that's the tricky thing. Like I, you know, that, and I've experienced this so much that I, I've always believed, well, in the past couple of years, I've been like, oh, sleep is going to help my health and my PCOS so much if I can just get better sleep. But because I had this low progesterone and hormonal stuff, sleep was really difficult sometimes. So it's this vicious cycle. And similarly to kind of the stress hormone dieting thing of like, well, the more you kind of under eat, the more, you know, it's just going to put you into a bad cycle. I, that's the same thing with sleep and it can be so maddening. Yeah, definitely. I know it's hard because PCOS affects so many parts of your life. Like I know your energy. I mean, there's the kind of outside aesthetic part of it too but it it's every little part of your life it just often gets affected by PCOS so yeah it can be yeah it, it's it's hard it's very very hard so what are some of the things that you have experienced before uh before adopting an, an intuitive eating kind of way of approaching your whole life and PCOS versus after? What are some of the big things that you've noticed? Um, I think, I mean, before I was killing myself, trying to exercise all the time and just always felt miserable. I felt tired and like I could never do enough. So I was always frustrated trying to do more and more. 
and now less is more like I do what I can I do what fits into my life but I'm not having panic attacks if I miss my workout or if I'm out on the road and have to stop at McDonald's to grab breakfast like I'm not stressing about it all the time and it just right it's such a breath of fresh air well and that's the big thing too I mean I think we sort of touched on this already but stress like stress is such a huge I mean I I I've heard it you know I've heard that stress can affect PCOS but I've experienced it I like when I go through experiences of higher stress or when I went through that decade-long you know, stressful diet life that I was living, like my health was worse, like without, without a question, like it really affects your health. And so to have, to believe that we have to kind of like micromanage and stress out about our health, it just, it's not going to work. Like it's not going to give us what we, we want and deserve. It's just going to kind of keep us stuck and unhealthy and, you know, Yeah. I've also noticed a big change in my relationship with my now husband. Um, When we started, when we first met each other, I was still kind of figuring out intuitive eating. I was still dieting sometimes, working out a lot, trying to figure it out. And it put a lot of strain on our relationship because you would want to go out to eat or, you know, have a fun treat. And I would be like, no, I can't. I'm counting calories or counting macros. And, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't fun. It wasn't good for us. And so I think even outside of my own individual self and well-being, my relationships around me have improved because I'm at a, in a better place. Yeah. And you're able to relax and kind of go with the flow. I, I experienced the same thing. Like, so every social experience was just like a major stressor all the time because I was trying to control and anticipate and like control my own actions and cravings and whatever, how much I ate of whatever, depending on what stupid diet I was at the time on at the time. And yeah, there's just this sense of, okay, I can like go with the flow, you know, and relax and not like hyper-focus on this like mistake that I made for, you know, full 24 hours or whatever. That's so great. Any, any, any other things that you've noticed? I don't know. I mean, just in general, like what you said of, you know, you try to control so much when you are on these diets. And I think that's elevated even more with PCOS. You're trying to control every little aspect, but it's really when you just let go of that and you mm-hmm. relinquish that control that all of a sudden things fall into place a lot. Yeah. Better. And that's not to say, I mean, like I should speak for myself, but it's not to say that like all my symptoms are gone. Not that yeah. I don't still go to laser hair removal way more than I probably would if I didn't have PCOS, but you know, on the whole, yeah, I sleep better. I can like follow my cravings and trust them. And, you know, I have, Oh, when you were talking about exercise, I was remembering like when I was dieting, I exercise was torture. Like it was so hard. I remember just being like, Oh, this like hurts. This is miserable. I couldn't breathe. I just felt like I was going to fall over. And when I started eating normally and regularly and amply, I would go to a yoga class, say, and be like, oh my God, this like, isn't that 
this like is kind of enjoyable. <laughs> like, I don't feel like I'm going to die. And I didn't put the two things together because I thought that I was living this responsible life. You know, I didn't realize that I was like, you know, I was starving myself essentially or like before exercises. And I was like, why am I so miserable? Why am I so bad at exercising? Well, it's because I wasn't eating enough food. Yep. Totally. Dummy. <laughs> I know. And food plays such like, again, I mean, we talked about how like PCOS has its fingers in like all the different parts of your life. And so does food. Like, yeah, it's not just a means of like getting by, but it's also social interactions. It's yeah. celebration. It's culture. It's there's so much to food. And I think when we restrict that, we're restricting all those parts of our life. And then when you let it back in, everything else just flourishes. So that's so true. Where can everyone find you on Instagram? So PCOS.positivity is where you'll find me. And what I really should have asked is where can everyone find you on the internet, including Instagram? On the and internet. How can they, and how can they work with you if, if, if they oh, such a good question. To. So my website is PCOSpositivity.com. Um, and there, there's like a work with me tab and that gives you all the information of what I do, what my programs entail. And then it has a little application that once you submit that we can get in contact and, um, figure out resources to help you. Amazing. This is so great. Thank you so much, Kirsten. Thank you for having me. All right. I'm about to go almost right into the next conversation with Sam Abbott, um, another anti-diet dietitian who specializes in PCOS. But before I do that, I just want to quickly say, um, like I mentioned before at the beginning of the episode that I talk about myself a lot in these interviews, well, what I realized yesterday when I was listening to both of them, and both of these conversations were held almost probably two months apart, honestly, because I've been doing these conversations since the summer because I thought I was going to bring back the podcast in August. Um, I repeat myself. I repeat the same things. Oh, I you know, had PCOS at 14 and this is what my doctor told me to do. So um, I apologize for that. I apologize for the repetition. Um, I would have cut it out of one of them, but it would have kind of made one of the conversations choppy and make less sense. So kept it in and you can just ignore the repetition. Um, another thing that I do want to say is that, well, this episode does not have any ads or a sponsor. And when that's the case, the ad is my second book. That was supposed to be a drum roll. Uh, my second book is called Tired as Fuck. It is coming out February. You can pre-order now. I have lots and lots and lots of thank you bonuses for everyone who pre-orders and submits their proof of purchase. Um, you can find all of that at thefuckadiet.com slash tired. If you sign up for, um, you can sign up, you can read the first chapter. And if you do that, um, it will prompt you to pre-order and then how to get the pre-order bonuses because it's a separate page where you sign up. Um, so if you have not done that and you are at all interested, I recommend signing up. 
just to read the first chapter. It's totally free. You can unsubscribe immediately if you don't ever want to hear from me again. Um, and I talk a lot in the book. The book is essentially a memoir, <laughs> plus lots of musings on cultural exhaustion and hustle culture and burnout and how we're all kind of doing what I thought that I had to do to become the best version of myself. And so much of that is my stress over dieting with PCOS and all of the crazy things that I did to try to heal. So if you are at all interested in more elaboration on me talking about my own experience with all of this, that is in my second book, Tired as Fuck. And you can read the beginning for free at thefuckitdiet.com slash tired. And if you have already pre-ordered and you want to get the pre-order bonuses, you just need a screenshot of your proof of purchase. You go to thefuckitdiet.com slash TAF, which is tired as fuck, bonus. And also that will be um, linked to from um, all of the emails that send you the first chapter if you sign up for that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let me play for you this next conversation that I had with Sam Abbott. My name is Sam. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, and I specialize in nutrition coaching for PCOS. I do take a non-diet lens when we're talking about nutrition. Um, so I really teach people with PCOS how to improve their symptoms and their long-term health without dieting. Amazing. And so needed, you know, it's such a weight centric, uh, not only just a weight centric field, but especially PCOS is, you know, for anyone who's listening, who has PCOS probably knows that there's so much focus on weight and, and diet and eating less. And um, yes. so it's, it's Ugh. very, very needed. Yeah. So how did you get mm -hmm. into being a, a dietitian and a, specifically a non-diet dietitian in the first place? Well, I have always had a passion for helping people improve their health. And that kind of led me into the field of dietetics. I truthfully, I actually wanted to go to medical school, but in college, I always had to work several jobs and just kind of got <laughs> exhausted. And then the idea of going to medical school just felt like a lot. Um, but I ended up in the field of nutrition as a dietitian and, you know, dietetics in our field, I would say the education and training is pretty weight centric. Mm. Um, just because there's so much training that overlaps with medical care. I mean, even in our dietetic internship where we have to do 1200 hours of supervised practice in order to be able to sit for our RD exam. A lot of that is like doing rotations in the hospital and right. outpatient settings and things like that. So, um, a lot of my training was weight centric. And when I started my private practice, truthfully, I offered a lot of different services, but I would say that I offered quote unquote weight management as one of those. And as I continued working with clients, I just found that when they were focused on the number on the scale, they tended to stay in this negative diet cycle or never really, they never really had the ability to create long-term behavior change because wow. they were so focused on restriction. Yeah. And 
I just started naturally kind of encouraging people to focus on their actual behaviors instead of whether or not they were losing weight or if somebody came in because they had high cholesterol, you know, really encouraging them to focus on their actual cholesterol numbers and how they were feeling and how they were taking care of themselves rather than whether or not they were losing weight. Um, and then I heard about health at every size and intuitive eating I read Lindo Bacon's book and I, my mind was blown because it made so much sense. And it Mm -hmm. also aligned with my experience and practice. And then from there, I just kind of never looked back. That's so interesting and, and makes so much sense that you actually were able to observe it firsthand before even understanding that it's something that so many other people are, have observed and, and have gone through that you were like, wait, this doesn't make any sense and it isn't helping to, to focus on weight. You just saw that firsthand with your clients. Exactly. And I will never forget, actually my first two clients were polar opposite, but they kind of hit this point home. I had one client with a history of disordered eating and she was very upfront. She contacted me and said, you know, in the past I had to go to treatment and things like that. And I'm better now, but I just want you to take a look at everything and just see if there's anything I'm missing that could help Mm -hmm. me lose weight. Uh, And when I met with her, all I could think about is how much are you sacrificing your mental health and your emotional health and your quality of life over this pursuit of weight loss? Um, And that really stuck with me. And then I also had a client who was at a, um, high weight and just existing in a larger body created so many obstacles for him related to poor medical care. Um, he was trying to get extra exercise by walking, parking further away, um, from his job and walking through downtown and he would be heckled. Um, just a lot of things that again, just were, were reinforced so much when learning about health at every size. Right. I mean, I, I always think back to those were my two, my two experiences of just kind of polar opposite experiences, but really seeing how, um, weight and the focus on weight can create obstacles for people. Yeah. So how, you know, did this discovery with your clients and then the research on health at every size, did that then trickle down to your own relationship with food or have you always had a better relationship with food? How, how has your own journey kind of, um, gone along with your professional journey? I would say that growing up, I was lucky enough to live in an environment that didn't really build a foundation for a poor relationship with food. Um, when I went to college, that was actually the first time where I was exposed to so much diet culture, Mm. uh, truthfully, primarily from my roommates and people in my hall and everyone was so focused on their weight and working out and what they were ordering at the, um, (laughs) at the food hall and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I will say some of that stuck with me, especially then going into the field of dietetics. Yeah. I, I've have had a lot of thin privilege. I've always lived life in a straight size body and, um, then go, then going right into my dietetics 
education, just kind of having this reinforcement that weight is so directly correlated with health. Um, That was pretty much the extent of it. And then when I got into professional practice is where I was like, this doesn't really make as much sense as I thought it did. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so how did you start to focus on PCOS? Well, I had, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and prior to the pandemic, I had a brick and mortar practice where I saw clients one-on-one and I saw so many clients that had PCOS and truthfully, I was not too familiar with medical nutrition therapy for PCOS. And after a few clients, I remembered that my sister had been diagnosed with PCOS and I I knew that she had been diagnosed, but had never really heard much after that. And I was like, I want to learn more about this for her and for my clients. And I just really dug in deep into the PCOS research and then got involved in PCOS advocacy. And when I started saying that I specialized in PCOS with my brick and mortar practice, my practice just blew up. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had so many clients, um, last year I had a wait list of over 200 people. Oh my God. It was crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's when I transitioned to doing more group things to be able to help more people. But yeah, I think it's so common and people don't realize how common it is. And then when they go to the doctor, their doctor is just focusing on food and losing mm-hmm. weight. So I think it's only natural. People are looking for dietitians to help them with those things based yeah. off of what they've been advised. Do you have a lot of people who find you thinking that you're going to help them with their, you know, sticking with their diet perfectly and there's like an education process, or do you find that a lot of people at this point find you who want to be able to approach this from a more weight neutral place? I think I provide a lot of education on my Instagram account, which is really how most people find me. Mm -hmm. I provide a lot of education around the harms of taking a weight centric approach to PCOS management. And I do try to provide a lot of research and resources and things like that. So I would say for the most part, when someone reaches a point where they actually want to work with me, they're at least open and receptive to that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think so many of us have a deep down desire to still lose weight. It's really more, are you actively pursuing weight loss? And also are you understanding where the desire to lose weight is coming from? I totally agree with that. I think, you know, I think a lot of people, when they start going through the journey to, to stop dieting and becoming more anti-diet and understanding it all, there's this expectation or this, this hope that, that people will get to a place where they just don't care at all anymore. And while that does happen for some people, and while it can, you know, we can get to a place where we can live our lives, like not, you know, being ruled by that. I think to expect people to just snap out of our cultural conditioning and also, you know, to not care at all about the fact that people are so rewarded in our culture for, you know, losing weight and being in a smaller body that it's just, it actually sets people up to feel like 
they're failing at the journey, if they still like deep down really wish that they would lose some weight. And I think it's so much more helpful to say, look, that desire, it may not go away anytime soon. It may not ever go away, but you can have a totally different relationship with it, understanding why it's there and how it may be harming you. And, um, and you can liberate yourself from being ruled uh, by that desire, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yes, that makes total sense. And I think it is important to, to acknowledge that, you know, I don't live life from day to day in a larger body. So a lot of the social justice type related issues related to weight bias in our society, those are very real. Mm -hmm. So I would never want to invalidate someone's experience where, they cannot just walk into a store and purchase clothes or they would like to get IVF, but they're denied because of their BMI. I mean, those are very, very real experiences that as someone in a straight size body, I've never experienced. So I would never tell someone they're wrong for having the desire to lose weight. I just more like to encourage people to think about has the pursuit of weight loss actually helped you right. in the overall big picture? And for most people, we know that it harms them. Yeah. On so many levels. What are, what are some of the big mistakes that you see um, people making with their own PCOS or even practitioners who don't understand weight neutral um, health? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a great question. Well, the number one mistake that I see is way too much restriction when it comes to food. And Mm -hmm. so many people that I work with are not eating enough and, you know, not eating enough puts a lot of stress on our bodies. So that would be the first thing. And I see a lot of people skipping meals, especially breakfast, because the recommendation to fast Mm. is so popular in the medical community. And I think this ends up being really harmful. And we do see an increased risk of eating disorders and especially binge eating with PCOS. And a big piece of binge eating is actually restricting food. So it kind of all goes together there. That's one thing. Um, The second would be not taking into account how much um, PCOS and PCOS treatment and symptoms and everything can affect mental health and quality of life. We see so many people with PCOS have sleep disturbances. Mm. Um, We see an increased risk of sleep apnea. A lot of times people are not appropriately screened for that. We see an increased risk of anxiety and depression. Um, Metformin is commonly prescribed for PCOS, which I totally understand why. But if someone is not tolerating metformin or having chronic gastrointestinal issues, uh, a lot of times those issues are not taken seriously. And so I think there's just like a big lack of having a client-centered approach there. And then- Lastly, I would say treating weight as like a cause of PCOS or something that's directly within your control instead of seeing it more as a symptom that may or may not change with treatment. Yes. I think that that, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 14 and I, I also was put on metformin at 17 or 16 or 17 and it burned a hole in my esophagus. Oh my <laughs> like gosh. I had like a horrible, oh my gosh. and I went off of it after that. But, um, 
yeah, I had this, you know, the doctor, I was 14 years old. The doctor was like, okay, well, we see from your blood work that you have PCO blood work and, um, ultrasound that you have PCOS. So, um, just, you know, don't gain any weight. You're going to need to go on a low fat diet. And, um, well, this was like, you know, 2002 or something low fat diet. Uh, it was still like, you know, from the eighties and nineties when low fat was <laughs> the, like, the the fat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, just, you're going to need to exercise yeah, and keep your weight down. And I was like, uh, okay. 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 <laughs> right. And in my head, I, I was like, okay, so, so being thin is the cure. Like I, I knew, right. you know, I, I understood exactly. like logically quote unquote, there is no cure, but I was like, okay, well, if I can just, and I was already thin, honestly, but I was going through puberty. So I had gained weight over the past year or two. Um, but by no means, I mean, believe me, I felt like I felt so out of control and like, I gained all this weight and I look back at pictures and I'm like, Oh my God, I was so <laughs> like, it's so crazy. But I was like, Oh, so the weight that I gained over the past year during puberty is maybe the reason why I have this, you know? So it was this like whole mm-hmm. thing where I was like, if I can just be one of those really skinny people, I'll be healed. And then what that caused was a 10 year undiagnosed eating disorder or extreme disordered eating. However you would, you know, it was somewhere in the middle And, you know, I for sure made my blood sugar and stress hormones like a million times worse with all of my extreme dieting and extreme binging. I was yo-yoing with food and weight. And, um, and I, I never got my period and I was like, well, that's the PCOS. But meanwhile, it easily also could have been from my extreme restriction. So it was just a total mess. Um, my gosh, I'm so sorry you had that experience. Yeah, it's nuts. And, but it's, it is what eventually led to the pocket diet and me being like, okay, this is not working. And it's, and if, even if there's a chance that it could work, it's not worth it. So like, I got to a point 10 years in where I was like, I would rather take care of my mental health and have my physical health suffer than then keep this up. Little did I know, you know, it it took a little bit of research to realize that it actually was the best thing I could do for my physical health to get out of the cycle. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a mess and, and it's so common. I mean, it's like, when I talk about my experience with PCOS, other people are like, Oh my God, I did the same thing or I'm doing the same thing. Or, you know, it's what most people who are diagnosed believe that they have to do. Exactly. Yeah. Your experience is the typical experience with PCOS and there's just this really big disconnect in the medical community about what happens when a patient is meeting with a doctor and then what happens afterwards. And then it's almost like the patient is shamed or blamed when Mm -hmm. in reality, we know that dieting doesn't work. We know that focusing on weight typically does not help improve health overall. (laughs) This has nothing to do with a patient's willpower or how much they care or anything like that. And I, I'm really hoping that there is a shift in PCOS care as more advocacy and awareness um, as those areas have become more popular. Yeah, I really do too. I really do. Um, so last question is for, for the people listening who have PCOS, um, 
what are, you know, again, like two to three big tips that you would have for them, even if they're super, you know, basic and kind of like just to get them started, uh, tips or takeaways that you would want them to kind of walk away from this episode knowing? Yeah. Well, the first is that letting go of dieting actually can help improve your health and your PCOS symptoms. I think we're so conditioned to believe that if we're not dieting, then we're not pursuing health. And the opposite is true. And I hope everybody listening is in that. I'm assuming that if they're listening to this podcast, then they're somewhat open to that thought. Yeah. Um, so that would be the first one. And then you can incorporate nutrition principles for improving insulin resistance and decreasing inflammation without being restrictive. Mm. Um, that can definitely be part of a non-diet approach. So, um, making sure that you're including protein and fat, with most meals and snacks and making sure you're choosing foods that include fiber. Um, those are all ways that you can help with insulin resistance and inflammation. And you can do that without restricting other things. And you can give yourself flexibility with that. It's not a rule that every single thing that you eat has to have protein and fat and fiber in it, but those can help. Right. Just general guidelines to yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people, when they finally, you know, really kind of get more and more into their anti-diet journey, they're, they're able to kind of feel, feel it out more like, oh, I really actually do feel better when most of my meals have protein and fat in them. And most of my meals have some fiber in them. And, you know, so just knowing that can be helpful. And then a lot of people also get to a point, I feel like where they, they can feel that difference too. And it's not, it's more inside out instead of outside in, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes total sense. And I think going back to everything we've talked about on this podcast, so many people with PCOS start this journey, just feeling so disconnected from their bodies that it's hard to notice those things in the beginning. So I would just give yourself a little bit of time to kind of reestablish basic eating habits. If you're someone that's been overly restrictive or skipping meals. And then over time, I think that you'll feel this reconnection with your body and be able to notice things like, yes, when I have a protein rich breakfast, my energy level is so much better in the afternoon yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing that I did want to say is I feel like so much of PCOS education is kind of doom and gloom and feels so negative or discouraging. And I just want to encourage everyone to just know that you can have a beautiful life with PCOS. You can live each day where you don't feel controlled by your symptoms. Um, I've worked with so many people that have gone on to be able to um, have a baby and have healthy pregnancies and improve their physical symptoms. So um, that is a possibility and don't let anyone make you feel otherwise. I love that. That's so great. So important for so many people with PCOS to hear. So where can people find you if they don't already follow you? Where, where can they find you online? You can primarily find me on Instagram. My handle is PCOS.nutritionist. And then my website is PCOSfoodfreedom.com. Thank you so much, Sam. This was so great. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. 
And I feel it's worth saying that yes, I ate my toast while I was working on the rest of this episode. And yes, I also ate protein with it because I have done that for a very long time. Um, usually, not 100% of the time, but very often I will have protein with carbs just because in the back of my mind, I know that it's probably going to help me to feel better. So uh, that is all for today. That's all. And look, we're about to hit the one hour mark. <clears throat> I'm about to drive to the shore to see my grandmother. You are about to go do whatever you're about to do. And I will be back next week with an episode with Jessica DeFino, who is just so great. She talks about skincare in a very similar way that I talk about diets. So I'm very excited for you to listen to the conversation. I think you're going to love it. Um, if you have any interest in hearing more of my experience with diets and self-help and PCOS, the book that will tell you all of that is Tired as Fuck. It will also talk a lot about exhaustion. So if you are personally exhausted or burnt out or feel burnt out just on dieting or self-help, that is also what the book is about through my own personal experience. Again, you can read the very beginning for free by going to thefuckitdiet.com slash tired. And other than that, I will talk to you next week. And if you're on Instagram, I will see you on Instagram. And I really, really hope that I uh, get through this day driving two hours down and two hours back because I woke up at 545. Why am I ending with that? Why would I end with that? Why would I end with that information? You know what? Because I've got to complain to someone. All right. Bye.